1: that crossing over the Jordan now does not illustrate passing into another life. It doesn't illustrate death. But it illustrates the passing of a Christian from basically one level to another of going into that abundant life that Jesus talked about in John ten, 10 I've come to give you life and life more abundant. It marks the end of the self-life. One in the wilderness, the self-life, constantly wandering, worried about self, worried about everything you need. And it's the beginning of a Christ life through faith.
0: The Old Testament is full of parallels and metaphors that not only point us to Christ, but what it looks like to follow after Him as well. As Pastor Dave will teach you in his message today, the crossing over of the Jordan River is a picture in and of itself of choosing to leave behind a life of self and picking up our cross. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Joshua chapter 3 as he begins his message, Renew Your Heart. You are assured.
1: Turn to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3. Let's see what the Lord has in store for us as we go through this book. The book of Joshua. New beginnings. Time of newness. A time of victory. So let's read the 17 verses of Joshua 3. Joshua 3. Verse 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning... And they set out from the acacia grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure." Do not come near it, that you may know the way which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over for the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priest who will bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergashuites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore, take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off. The waters that come down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. So it was, when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan, with the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priest who bore the Ark dipped to the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of the harvest, that the waters which came down from upstream stood still, and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, and the city that is beside Zertan. So the waters that went down to the Sea of Reba, the Salt Sea, failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priest who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Wow. It's been three days. Three days have passed since Joshua gave the command to the officers and tell the people to make preparation because it was time to go. They were going to cross over this Jordan River. Remember in chapter 1 and verse 11, it says, Joshua talked to the commanders and passed through the camp and commanded the people saying, prepare provisions for yourselves for within three days you will cross over the Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Three days have come and three days are gone. During that time, Joshua sent out spies. He sent out spies in the land. We saw that in chapter 2, verse 1. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. Spies went out. We all talked about Rahab. We talked about salvation came to Rahab that day because she knew of the Lord God. She knew what he had done in all the land. She had heard the stories and she was fearful. She said that when they, when they heard these stories, that their heart actually melted and they were sore afraid. Where she made a covenant with the two spies that if she would hang the red scarlet cord out the window and all that were in that house who would not go out, they would be spared when the time came. So the spies now have returned. The spies have returned. But let's look at what Rahab said to the spies in chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Now, before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof. Remember, she was hiding them in the roof, on the flax of the roof. And she said to them, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. When the spies came back, they told all this to Joshua, basically confirming everything that the Lord had told him was now confirmed by these two spies. And you look at chapter 2, 24. And they said to Joshua, this is the spies. Truly, the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands. For indeed, all the inhabitants of the country are faint hearted because of us. So they're ready to go. The time of preparation is over. It's finished. Finally. After 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, the nation of Israel now stands before this great flowing river, knowing that on the other side awaits for them God's promise. God's promise that had been around for over 400 years. God's promise to them that they would have a land flowing of milk and honey, a land all their own that they could live in, and they could live in peace, comfort, freedom, not be slaves, not be captive, but they could be his children. And he promised that he would be their God. Forty years have passed. Many, many other years have passed when he made the promise to Abraham, when he made the promise to Isaac, and then he made the promise to Jacob, reaffirming, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. Remember, when he was talking to Abraham, he said, when the time of the Amorites is fulfilled, that time is now. And it's time to cross over the land. The iniquity of the Amorites has been complete. And they're going to cross over and they're going to take this land. A promise of a new life. A promise of a life filled with hope. One filled with possibilities in a land flowing with milk and honey. You can imagine the excitement. God had promised that he was going to go before them and clear the way. He was going to drive out all the inhabitants of the land. He was going to help them conquer this land. He was going to go before them and be their guide. As they waited for the command to cross over, I wonder what they were thinking about as they were waiting there. I mean, only two of them were alive when the Red Sea parted. Only two were alive, Caleb and Joshua. The scripture says all the other ones died in the wilderness. Every one of them died because of unbelief. So they they had heard the stories. They heard the stories that God had parted the Red Sea. They know that the the people in Jericho and the entire land were afraid because they knew what God had done. But I'm sure there was an excitement going on. I'm sure they were very excited to get going. They were probably chomping at the bit. Let's go. We want to go. This is exciting. But I think they were hesitant too. They were unsure. So many questions, so few answers. It must have been scary for them. I don't know about you. How, How many of you have ever moved from one house to another? Probably everybody, right? How many have ever moved from one city to another? How many have you ever moved from one state to another? Scary. But yet there's an excitement. The wonder of, wow, new possibilities. New things. New life. New friends. New places to go. New things happening in your life. There's an excitement there. But I'm sure... As they looked at that river that was now very, very wide, flowing very, very fast because it was harvest time. The river was overflowing its bank. I'm sure that they looked there that they scratched their head. Wait a minute. If that's the promised land over there and we're over here, how are we going to get from here to there? It was pretty easy for the two spies to get through because there was just two of them. But they look around and behind them, there's over, what, two to five million people. They're all going to have to get across. Some of them had to be wondering, how's we going to do that? How's that going to happen? And I'm sure the more they stared at that river and the more they stared at how rushing it was, the more impossible this task became. How's this going to happen? They might have been in question God's timing. Well, now, Lord, what do you mean? Now we're going to go now? huge obstacle. You look at it and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's what's happening. They're looking at, the, how are we are going to get across this? The Apostle Paul knew all about obstacles. He knew all about looking at things and, and gazing at things and seeing things as they get bigger. And he tells us in 2 Corinthians 4, 2 Corinthians 4 and verses 17 and 18, there's glorious scripture here that are really, really telling into our hearts what's going on. He says, let's look at verse 16 through 18 in 2 Corinthians 4. He said, therefore, we do not lose heart. He's talking about the unconquered. He's talking about casting down and being cast down. He said, we don't lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, the obstacle, but at the things which are not seen, the things which are seen are temporal, But the things which are not seen are eternal. Fix our eyes on Jesus. Fix our eyes on him. When we look to him during the time of an obstacle, guess what? I don't know about you, but the obstacle has a way of shrinking. The mountain all of a sudden returns to the molehill. All of a sudden looks like it's not so impossible after all. Remember we said that crossing over the Jordan now does not illustrate Passing into another life. It doesn't illustrate death. But it illustrates the passing of a Christian from basically one level to another. Of going into that abundant life that Jesus talked about in John 10.10. I've come to give you life and life more abundant. It marks the end of the self-life. One in the wilderness. The self-life. Constantly wandering. Worried about self. Worried about everything you need. And it's the beginning of a Christ life through faith. A Christ life of faith through obedience. It marks the end of striving. And it marks the beginning of the rest and trusting in God and God alone. And that's where God wants us today. That's where God wants you all. He wants you to come across. He wants you to come into that abundant life. And he wants to trust in him completely. Come trust, trust in him completely for everything that we have. And this goes right along with what we've been studying in the book of Romans, where we were even just last week in Romans 8. He says we're more than conquerors in Christ. We are more than conquerors in him. See, that's the abundant life, being more than a conqueror, because Christ has done it all. When you want to cross into this life, when you're going to have that abundant life, there are usually mountains of impossibilities, and there's obstacles in our way. But it's very important for each of us and every one of us to develop that relationship with God, a relationship by faith. We must believe that there's nothing impossible for God. Many of you say that all the time. There's nothing impossible for God, but do you believe it? Do you really believe it? The obstacles in our lives should become faith builders. I think obstacles in our lives should become actually helping our faith, building our faith. Why? Because when we approach them and we see God's faithfulness in the middle of the obstacle, that should build our faith. That should make us more faithful. More realizing that God is going to do the work he promised to do. God is faithful to complete the work in you and me and in everybody that we know. God is faithful. He's always faithful in the midst of obstacles, and we should be encouraged to move forward, to grow and not give up, not faint, not to be weary, because we really truly know who God is. And I believe this is the reason why the Lord told Joshua in Joshua 1 verse 8. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, and you shall meditate in it day and night, and you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. He was telling them, Joshua, stay in my word. Stay in my word. Paul tells us another way. Paul tells us importantly, you want to have great faith? Paul says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. In Romans ten seventeen. I think this is why God said, Joshua, stay in my word, read my word, get to know. Why? Why? What would that do? What does reading God's word do? Well, for one thing, it tells us about God. And we realize who He is, and we become closer and closer to Him because in Him, in the Word of God, who's revealed? God. He's revealed to us, and, 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 and all the things about him are revealed. His character, his love, everything we know about him is revealed in his word. So if you're a person of his word, and you're growing in his word, naturally your relationship with God is going to do what? Get tighter and tighter. You're going to know him better. And when you know him better, you can trust him better. You can trust him better. The Lord wants to speak to us today through his word. The majority of the way he speaks to us. I've told you before, I've never had that audible voice, David. Never happened. But I've had that still small voice from reading his word, and that still small voice that speaks to my heart. I have that, and I felt that, and I know that, and I know that voice. He says, the sheep hear my voice. They know me. When I talk to them, they know who I am. But that comes from studying his word. That comes from meditating on it, from chewing on it, from from digesting it, and letting it become part of me. That's where it comes from. That's why God said to Joshua, the Lord says, don't let this word depart from your mouth. Meditate on it. Meditate in it. Not only meditate on it, but meditate in it. Dig in it. Read it. Devour it. Make it become part of you. Make it become who you are. Know it. Memorize it. All those things come to mind. Because when we read these things, then we become more than conquerors. We can defeat the enemies that are against us, the obstacles that are coming for us. It's not a mountain. It's just a little bump in the road. And we can get through it because we know God is calling us. No matter how large the obstacle is. He has something to say when he wants to bring us fully into that abundant life. The victory that overcomes the world, Jesus said. We're in Christ and we're overcomers. We need to act like and look like, and that's what God wants to do. We're told in the book of Jude that one of the ways that we keep ourselves in the place of blessing, the blessings of God's love, is building ourselves up in the holy faith, Jude says. Well, by building ourselves up in the holy faith is by reading God's word. That's how we get built up. You might say, I have a hard time trusting God. Well, you don't know him very well then. You don't know my God. If you have a hard time trusting God, that tells me that you don't have a great relationship with him. You don't know him very well, because if you read the word, if you're studying the word and we're praying, you're going to know God real well, and you're going to know he's a guy you can trust. Because like I knew, there, there are several places, and we're going to read one in Joshua. There's a place in Joshua that says, not one thing that God said he would do didn't come to pass. Now, there's a God you can trust. But you don't know that if you're not studying, if you're not reading his word, if you don't have a relationship with him, you don't know that. If you know God well, you'll have no problem trusting him. He's always been faithful. You know God through his word, studying his word, your faith has increased. So as we read this, Joshua gets up early in the morning and 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 he says, it's time to go. It's been three days. Let's go. Let's go. And he sends the priest out. He sends the Levites. He says, you're going to carry the ark first. You're going to carry the ark. And when the people see this, I want you to follow the ark. That's an interesting statement. They're going to take the ark up. They're going to carry it, and all these million people are going to follow the ark. What does the ark represent? What does the ark represent? The ark represents his presence. I love that. God went before them, and they followed. And you know what? If you want to live a victorious life, Christian, that's the way it's supposed to be. God goes before, and you follow. Jesus' words to all the disciples was not run ahead of me and I'll catch up with you. No, it was follow me. Follow him. Allow God to be the leader in all that you do, and he's made it so easy for us. He's placed himself and the Holy Spirit right inside of us. He's given us the Holy Spirit. We have to yield to him. We have to yield to the Spirit. We've got to yield to the Holy Spirit we got to yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. we got to allow Him to lead and be our guide. As we stay in the Word, we get to know Him better. We'll allow the Holy Spirit to move and be our guide in the Christian life. And then we'll be victorious. We're going to be victorious. But, he said, follow it. But yet in verse 4, he says, keep your place. Keep your space here. Keep your space. About a thousand yards back. There's two reasons here. I see two reasons why they, they need to keep their place. Number one is the obvious. They've never been there before, God's leading, they've got to know the way, you know they got to follow God, and he says they've got to know the way. Secondly, I believe that this is an old covenant. they can't get close to God. remember they, they can't come near God. This is the old covenant. you get too close to God, you end up on fire. you got to burn up a little bit, you know what I'm saying? I mean, even that story when David was moving the ark, he was moving it the wrong way and it was on a cart. remember that story? He was moving it the wrong way. It was on a cart. And it started to slide. And some poor guy just standing along there says, oh, the Ark of the covenant's going to fall. I don't want it to fall. And he touched it. And he was killed. Because he didn't respect the Ark. And it was David's fault because they were moving it the wrong way. It wasn't supposed to be moved on a cart. It was supposed to be carried by the priest. But see, we have a different covenant with God. I'm told I can go boldly into the throne room of grace. I can come boldly in by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's a different covenant now. It's a different time. But they weren't under that. So they had to keep their distance from the ark. They had to stay away. How many times did we read in Exodus when God was saying, bring the people to the mountain, but don't let them come too close. Don't let them come up on the mountain. They're not allowed. They had to keep their distance. But we're under that new covenant by the blood of Christ. And then Joshua says something really interesting in verse 5. And he says, Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And this is interesting. This is interesting. They're going to enter the promised land. They're going to cross over the Jordan. But Joshua first says, sanctify yourselves. Basically, sanctify means to be set apart. It means to be made holy. And there are many, many, many scriptures that speak about sanctification. They speak about, first of all, the defilement of sin. The defilement of sin that we must be cleansed from. To sanctify yourselves, it means be prepared to meet God. Be prepared. The children of Israel were told to wash and put on new clothes in Exodus because they were going to meet God. Remember when we read that in Exodus 19. Even Jacob washed and put on new clothes when he was going to meet with God. King David washed and put on new clothes when he was going to meet with God. It's a ceremonial type thing, but yet what it means is they're preparing their hearts to meet with God. They're preparing their hearts to meet with God. When you read His Word, you need to prepare your heart to meet with God because it's God's Word.
0: We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you, but sadly that's all we have time for today. Be sure to tune in again, though, to Pastor Dave's continuing verse-by-verse study through the book of Joshua on A Sure Hope. In the meantime, we'd like to invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. There you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Schenck available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. In this busy world, setting time aside to study the Bible in depth is difficult, so we'd like to make that just a little bit easier. By subscribing to our podcast, you'll have sound biblical teachings sent right to your smartphone or your computer. What a great way to infuse your day with God's Word. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m. and continue to walk through the Bible on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We have childcare available, so bring your entire family. You can find out more at assurehoperadio.com or give us a call. Our number is 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. Thanks for listening to today's message from the book of Joshua. Pastor Dave we will be back soon for another in-depth look at this fascinating book, right here on A Sure Hope.